You're listening to the Straight Shooting Podcast here on the AHB Digital Radio Network. Visit us at australianhuntingpodcast.com.au. Sit back, relax, and enjoy. Here are the hosts of the show, Jason and Mo. Right, welcome back to the Straight Shooting Podcast. Thanks for being here. It's just me and Mario today. Mars, how you doing? Yes, g'day, Jason. Welcome back, everyone, to the Australian Hunting Podcast. Yeah, it's been a... We haven't done much lately, have we? We're coming up for a hunting trip uh, in yes. October. October long weekend. Yeah, yes. which we're all looking forward to as well. I guess what's been happening, mate, I guess um, for me, um, I bought another rifle. Oh, yeah, that's right. Yeah. Yeah. From a lot of the guys that know, I had a bit of a bit of a ticker whore, you might say, so to speak. Mm. Probably about a year ago, I bought... He bought oh, the 243. Yeah, and what's the yeah. 243 good for? It's uh, <laughs> too, too big for, too big for uh, small game, too small for big, big game. game. <laughs> and uh, so I, bought a, I bought three Ticker T3 Superlights, one in 223, 243 and 308. And then I thought to myself, I wouldn't mind trying you know, some varmint hunting, you know, see how I go with that, you know, possibility, because I'm going down to the rice soon. There's a massive amount of property there in between shooting ducks. So I thought mm. I might get, what's a good caliber? Now, there were some really good deals going on the previous Ticker T3 model in the stainless varmint, uh, because the new Ticker T3X, I think was, I think it was about two, maybe $300 more. Mm. And they didn't have any 223s for varmint. Everyone was saying get 204, six and a half Creedmoor, all these you know, highly ballistic coefficient rifle or rifle rounds or calibers. But I just thought to myself, no, I had a 243 in the light, so I thought actually I'll get another 243. So I subsequently bought a uh, Tika T3 Varmint Stainless in 243. Yeah, you liked it so much you bought two, Jason. Yeah, but, in, <laughs> but going on from that, I did sell because I thought, well, what's the point of having a heavy barrel 243 and a light 243? I've got the 308 for deer hunting. I've got the 223 for foxes, spotlighting, that sort of thing. So I thought there was no real need to have two of them. So I took the money from the sale of the light mm. and I purchased the uh, varmint and I got a uh, Bushnell uh, DMR2 rifle scope on top of that, which has got turrets, so good for long range. I put a GRS Berserk stock on it, which was good. Got that for a good price as well and um, just put an oversized bolt knob on there and um, been testing out some loads, some uh, 87 grain VMAX uh, with 2209 ADI powder, about 42 grains. So it seems mm. to be going all right. So I've got to do some uh, some more testing in the, in the next couple of weeks. Um, yeah. So that's that's my purchase, I guess, for uh, the last couple of months. Well, you're, you're looking for a 22 uh, LR as well, aren't you? I am, yeah. yeah. I'm trying to look. I did put one on the Facebook. If you follow the Facebook page, I did put a picture up there. Sort of a picture, a uh, post, I should say, actually, mm. about what's uh, what I should buy. A lot of people are saying CZ. A lot, a lot of people are saying Lithgo. The yeah, LA, the Aussie one. Yeah, the LA 101, whatever it is. Um, Saying that's good. I don't know. Just not a big fan of the look of the Lithgow. I don't know. I got to like the look of the rifle. I know if it shoots good, that should be the main predominant yep. area that you should be, you know, concentrating on. But for me, I don't know. I got to like the look of a rifle. That's why pretty much I wouldn't buy anything other than ticker. I'm a bit of a ticker whore. So, mm. well, for um, me, when it comes to the 22, look, I just like something with big magazine capacity because. I'm not that sort of person that's going to sit there on the bench with a 22 and go. Have you got a 22? You know, yeah, I have. What is it? Um, what, what do you got? Oh no, it's just a, it's just a crappy. Um, what's it called? It's a, a Mossberg. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, it's a Plinkster. It's a Mossberg Plinkster. Oh, I think. That's right. Yeah, yeah I remember that. Yeah. yeah. So anyway, and it's just it's fun. It's it's accurate little 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 rifle. And it's good for rabbits and things like that. But really, I don't I don't really use it that much. I'm, I mainly use my shotgun and my rifle. So. Now, for 22s, um, I'd prefer something that has got a high magazine capacity. I mean, something that's only got five-round capacity to me is just, I'm thinking, boring, 
you know. Mm. But that's that's because I'm I, I love guns. Um, you know, in terms of I love shooting a lot. You know, like for example, if I go out there, I like to be able to shoot you know a lot of rounds before I have to reload. Especially with twenty two. I mean, twenty two. You buy a bucket of bullets. What is it, a bucket of bullets these days? Sixty, seventy dollars, and you get five hundred. It's the type of caliber that's been designed to so you can have quite a lot of shots. Some of those bucket of bullets, they're not the most accurate. No, I've seen, well, of course I've not. I've seen a few of the YouTube videos, there are a few flyers and stuff like that. Of course not, but they're great fun, especially if you've got young kids, you know what I mean, and uh, you're getting them into shooting, giving them a bucket of bullets and a twenty two bolt action is, is excellent. I mean, they can do that all day. So, yeah, look, um, Jason, good luck with your quest for the twenty two. I really do like the Winchester lever action twenty two, mm. uh, which is a really nice gun. And Browning, I think, or something. No, I think Browning make another one. Uh, a really nice gun, a, a beautiful lever. And I think it's about a thousand dollars. It's quite expensive, mm. but mate, it's it's. There's quite, a few it's savages quality. out there. There's a few a, CZs quality, I'm looking yeah. at. Um, some a few with varmint barrels as well. Some with light sporter battles. I'm not a hundred percent, you know, as to what I'm going to purchase yet. But so if you guys have got any tips on twenty twos, let us know whether I should go for a sporter or a varmint barrel, or because I wouldn't mind even doing it as a trainer for that two four three. But it all depends what you want, right? Mm. I, well, what's the purpose? What's the purpose of this gun? I mean, it's always very important. Before you purchase any rifle, you just want to first of all ask yourself the serious question: Okay, what am I going to what am I going to use this for? Now, for me, twenty twos are essentially for shooting cans and rabbits. That's pretty much it. Like I'm not a serious serious competition shooter at all uh, with twenty twos or anything like that. So we're not, talking in the hunting aspect here. Yeah, exactly. So I'm not going to go buy an Anschutz, you know, for you know two thousand dollars or something like that. No, I'm not going to do that. Right. So I want to buy a twenty two. That provides the most amount of fun. That's the the funnest to shoot, and it's accurate. So that's that's my criteria, right? So, and usually it's the one with the highest magazine capacity, and the levers are very good because a lever action twenty two, you don't have to really, you don't have to really um, um, pull the lever very far, and you can sh- shoot quite a lot of rounds in succession. I think there's a Henry, the Henry saw. Yeah, the Henry, Henry's the twenty two. I think they're basic, about five yeah. six hundred dollars, I think, and I think they come in. Maybe with a 15-shot tubular mag, I think. Yeah, that's right. I'm not sure if that's in New South Wales. Like if, we can if have I, that if, now that I think it yeah. better. I'm not sure if we've got 10 rounds on yeah, rimfire. Yeah, no, you can't. I think, you can, I think it's 12, 12 rounds tubular, I think. But anyway. But, we'll find that but, out in the next the, show. Yeah, but the thing is, um, a lot of those bolt-action 22s, I mean, I, I like to – I always look at the ones that, first of all, where you've got a 10-round magazine, right? Something, something that's got at least 10-round magazine available so you can bank – Putting new magazine straight away, and you got ten rounds straight away. Like five round mags just doesn't do it for me, and that's and that's purely because it's just that type of caliber. It's a fun caliber that you shoot rabbits with, and you're plinking, you know, on the private property with cans and things like that. You know, that, that's the sort of thing it is for me. But you know, it, it's it's something else for other people as well. Yeah, and we're going to go on and talk a lot more uh, about hunting on the straight shooting podcast, especially this one where. Going to get away from the politics just a little bit. We're going to talk about some things that might be helpful for you guys in the field. I guess some things that we've learned. But we'll go through the normal stuff as we normally do. We've got the uh, iTunes. I was going to say YouTube then. We'll go into the YouTube. We've got iTunes. uh, Another August 17th, 2017. This is Ardit. Now, he's a long-time listener. Now, he's posted every single, I guess, comment he's left over the years into one comment again. Uh, on August 17th, 2017, <laughs> just, and he basically updates and says, going from strength to f- strength. The value of a voice like this for shooters is instemmable. Instemable? Is that a word? <laughs> I can't even read no it. I have to get the dictionary out <laughs> yeah, for that one. I don't know. In <laughs> I-N-E-S-T-I-M-A-B-L-E. Inestimable? I oh, know that's a word, mate. I hope that's a good word. Hopefully that in, means something in, good. Inestimable. 
Inestimable. Oh, I Interesting. Don't <laughs> I don't know. I'm confused too. Um, and then he says for his, from his update from June 2016, in an environment where pussyfooting and pandering is creeping into the mindset of too many shooters, Jason admires unashamedly and openly embrace our sport without reservation. I'm proud to declare myself a fellow shooter and gun owner and continue to applaud the quality and reality of this podcast. Well, that's good. Wow, that's really positive. That's awesome. So thanks, mate. Uh, Deep, we really appreciate Thank you. that. Thank you. All right, we've got some emails to go through, actually. Uh, this one's from Anthony. He says, hey, Jason, I've been listening to your podcast two and a half, sorry, two years now, and I'm a hunter from Victoria, and I agree with a lot of your political reasonings. Until I listened to your podcast, I didn't see much of a problem with the existing firearms agreement, but it does seem that we are slowly losing our rights. The biggest beef with the current system is self-defense rights. Sorry, he said I, so I'm just trying to make sure I'm reading this correctly, guys. We all have a right to protect ourselves and loved ones. This American gun culture agreement is a load of BS and they are lucky they can protect themselves with the current system they have in place, as well as the Second Amendment. I also believe as a law-abiding firearms owner, I should be able to have access to a wider range of firearms, even if it's just for fun and not livelihood purposes. Uh, I wish to send a letter to my local politician. If you could send me a letter that I could send to a politician, as you Mm. mentioned a couple of your podcasts, that'd be much appreciated and I'll send that through. Thank you for what you do for the firearms community. Now, I've changed a few things there because <clears throat> there's a spelling mistake, so I had to make sure I was reading it. And there's no disrespect to Anthony. I just had to make sure I was getting it right and reading it correctly as to, Thank you, Anthony. to what he meant. So, Thank you. Thank you very much for that uh, uh, lovely email. So, yeah, it's a very, very important seat. And, I think and, he's made it a bit of an issue there with the uh, 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 problem. Like, he's not meaning the American gun culture is a load of BS. I don't think he means that. Yeah, no, I don't think, I think he means, I think I he means, don't think he means that. But what's, what the important point that Anthony, made, Anthony makes here is that he says, until I listened to your podcast, uh, he didn't think there was much of a problem with our laws. So we've opened, uh, I guess, Anthony's uh, mind about uh, the current laws in Australia and what's going on overseas and how ridiculous our laws are. So a lot of people sometimes think, oh, yeah, that's the law. They just accept it and move on. But they don't really question it. So that's good. Well done, Anthony. Thank you very much for your uh, email. Yep, we've got another one from Matt. He says, hey, guys, great show. Uh, He doesn't have PayPal, so he doesn't know how to donate. So if you do want to donate, guys, we do have – either you can go on the website, um, but mainly we're using Patreon now. So you can go to patreon.com forward slash AHB. Now, if you sort of don't know what Patreon is, basically it's an area where people, you know, you can, there's different amounts of money you can donate per month. So a dollar or $2 or $10, whatever it may be. And you get access. I actually post, it's pretty much like a small Facebook, you might say. Um, and I, I make posts on there before they actually go to general listenership. So all the podcasts you'll get generally anywhere from three to two weeks in advance from everybody else. And obviously, again, it just helps out the show. If you just want to help out the show, I mean, join up for a dollar. Yeah, yeah. You, you get all the podcasts in advance. I mean, that's twelve dollars a year. I mean, that's not even it's not even half a quarter of a pack of cigarettes these days. It's a it's a well, subway it, sandwich. Well, it it's, helps you know. us to keep, keep producing great material, great shows, and uh, hopefully continue to support shooting community. Yeah. So if you want to join Patreon again, patreon.com forward slash ahp. Um, so Matt says, he goes, hey, guys, great show. Then he goes, here's an idea. Masters have closed down. Now, you know, Masters is like yeah. Bunnings. They're like yep. a, a hardware. He said, heaps of stores everywhere. Could a pro-gun organization buy a few stores in each state and turn it into a 22LR gun range with a cafe inside and gun shop? What do you guys think? There are Masters stores everywhere! Exclamation mark. Yeah, uh, that's a great idea, Matt. Uh, the, the, well, it's uh, basically up to our shooting organisations, SSAA, to invest uh, the millions of dollars that will be required to get these ranges up. 
And it's just about us basically lobbying our organisations. Whether or not they do it or not is a different story. Now, I've been advocating for this for a very, very long time. I think we need to expand the amount of facilities that we have. I mean, especially in the Sydney Basin, there's really southwest Sydney, there's nothing. Especially where I live, I mean, the closest range is a good 35 minutes drive. I mean, that's just ridiculous. When you look at the population in our, in my area, it's just massive. And the amount of shooters in my area are huge. I mean, there's just tens of thousands of shooters in my area. So... It's a, yes, I absolutely agree with you. They should be doing it. Uh, we're not expanding our ranges enough. Uh, a lot of money should be dedicated to building new ranges and, and expanding them. And, you know, we should have a kind of a cookie-cutter system where we have a certain design that's approved by police in the state for a 100-metre indoor range, uh, centre fire and pistol range, uh, and then we should be trying to build as many of them as we can throughout the state and other states as well. And I don't see why... Uh, the SSAA haven't already employed an architect that's going to specifically design a range that's going to be approved by police uh, that, that, that'll be able to you know build and replicate it uh, pretty much all over the state and in fact all over Australia so I, I think that's the way to go but look I'm not uh, at the I'm not I'm not I'm not at the helm mate <laughs> I'm not at the wheels of uh, the decision making process so hopefully you know the guys who are who are at the top will get their act together and we'll get some ranges built yeah, exactly, and yeah, it's, obviously it's quite an expense too into building ranges. I mean, yeah, it getting, be the, cheap. getting the approval from council. I mean, you know the issues gun shops have gone through, other ranges in other states, and here in New South Wales, the issues they go through to try and get but those. I, but I think Jason, look, the, the strategy from SSAA is all wrong. It's it's all wrong. What the, basically what they're doing now is they're seeking all these approvals and everything like that before they actually uh, you know put put a shovel in the ground and start doing something. I mean, my personal opinion, this is my personal opinion, you know, some of you guys may have a different opinion, and, you know, if you have a different opinion, please let us know. Send a voicemail, send an email, that's fine. But my personal opinion is is that SSAA need to fight uh, for their space in the community. So what I'm trying to say is, is that they should be buying land or um, industrial land or industrial building that's suitable for their purpose, and then once they buy that building, they should be submitting uh, applications and if the application gets rejected for a reason, they should be taking them to court. Especially if they've dotted all their eyes and uh, crossed all their t's, they they should be fighting to to make sure that that they are not discriminated against uh, by that by the that state police or whoever or the local council or whoever's discriminating against them. Especially when when you, they've ticked all the legal boxes. So you know that's that's just my opinion. I think they need to start being a little bit more. Uh, assertive when it comes to establishing ranges. And I know ranges can take sometimes years and years and years to approve. I mean, that's just ridiculous. That's just nonsense. I mean, it, it just shouldn't be like that. And I know for a fact that some of these things occur purely because of uh, uh, discrimination. And it could be coming from the council, could be coming from the state government, could be coming from the police. I don't know. But I, I, I do believe it occurs like that, and I think the strategy needs to change. Mm. Let's go on to YouTube. Um, this was in regards, a lot of you guys know, we, I interviewed Mark Latham probably, I don't know, a month or two ago. Um, <clears throat> now, this is from McHub, HCB, sorry. <laughs> uh, he said he still thinks that only farmers with guns shooting ferals or you belong to a club, as per his interview on Sunrise. He's never understood in Victoria where 60,000 hunters go out deer and duck hunting on public land, including national parks, with a game license, and it's got nothing to do with farmers or clubs. And they are not feral. They are classified as a game, as per the Act. Latham is great for his hand on the pulse in New South Wales, but has no idea in Victoria. 
Yeah, well, um, yes, thank you for your comment. Uh, yes, Mark Laverne, I know. Uh, look, he's still, uh, I guess, at the infancy of learning about firearms and uh, firearm owners. And I, I think he's on the way to becoming on our side. I think he's probably already on our side. The problem is he doesn't see any problem with the current laws. That's, that's, that's the issue. So, you know, give it time, and I reckon Mark Lathan may stand a good chance of coming around. I'm not saying he's our best friend or anything no, like that, but I'd no. say he's definitely changed somewhat. And oh, yeah. I'm I'd not saying definitely. he's our friend, and I'd definitely never vote for him at this stage, but... Oh, look, um, it's one less uh, high-profile enemy, you know what I mean, that we have. I guess so, it's better him saying... Well, former, former enemy, I guess. Yeah, I guess it's better him saying good things than... Uh, hmm. Uh, than bad well, things like he's done in the past. Well, exactly, yeah. Or at least somewhat good things. If you listen to our last straight shooting podcast, we played a 2GB soundbite. Now, this was Ray Hadley on the show. He was talking to a farmer. Now, it was good that we actually got uh, Luke rode in to discuss that issue. Now, he said, uh, fellas, long-time listener and really enjoy the program. I'm currently listening to episode 155, Straight Shooting. Just want to say I'm a little disappointed about your views on farmers just because of one bloke that rang 2GB. I'm a passionate farmer and passionate hunter. I can tell you not all farmers agree with that fella's point of view, so please don't put us all in the category. Cheers and keep up the great work. So, Muzz, for Luke's... Uh, yeah, yeah, Luke, thank you very much. We appreciate your comments. Yes, uh, I understand it's uh, one bloke on TGB, but guess what? It's not just one bloke. It's stuff that we hear all the time. Uh, when I think back uh, over the years, the amount of time a farmer has gone on radio and says, and says our gun laws are fantastic, uh, look, if I had a dollar every time I heard it, I'd be a rich man. And yes, I know there's a lot of pro-gun farmers out there, a lot of you good guys out there. But the reality is you guys never seem to make it on the radio. You never seem to make it on the news. You never seem to make it, uh, you know. And they in, always find in, that one idiot, don't they? They always find or the fuds, several, mate. Or several idiots. Well, yeah. look, they always find the fuds. They always find the, the ones who push the uh, politically correct line. That's the problem, mate. So, yeah, look, I, I appreciate what you're saying. Yes, uh, I know that not all farmers are like that. And, uh, and, and you know, you're absolutely right. But unfortunately, uh, mate, the, the good ones are not heard. So, uh, Luke, I, I, my suggestion to you is is that get out there and be heard. Be, be the one who calls Ray Hadley, not the other guy. <laughs> yeah, and also have a, to have a chat to you know farmers in your area. See what their stance yeah, is. Try and that's it. try and educate those if you can educate those. Hopefully, you know they'll educate other shooters and hunters as well, and other or other farmers that they know. And hopefully it you know carries on from there. I mean, obviously you're only we're like us. You we're only two guys. You're only one guide. Is very difficult. Um, but you know, if we all made a difference, I guess we could all you know. Yeah, but you know what? This is the thing, Jason. We're we're fighting a massive culture war here, right? So we're we're fighting a culture war where uh, it's twenty years of uh, fuddery, mate. Twenty years of fuddery. Uh, everyone telling us, nah, you know what, you want an AR-15, no, you're bad, you shouldn't have this, you'll be dangerous, um, you know, all these things that just make absolutely no sense whatsoever, especially if you're licensed and you've been vetted and you're a responsible gun owner, you should be allowed to own any, anything you, you want, really. Um, so, I mean, th- we all know that, but the reality is that a lot of people still don't think that. A lot of people think, oh, no, you don't need that. Oh no, you can't have this. You'll I've have all, you'll have you'll have all types of uh, carnage on the streets if you let people buy that. You know, like this is the sort of culture war that we're fighting, unfortunately. So anyway, we just got to keep fighting it. We just got to keep putting out the good information and uh, letting people know that it's not really like that. There are countries out there that exist, uh, like Canada, New Zealand, you know, other Commonwealth countries, uh, all over Western Europe and Eastern Europe, who have access to all types of weapons, and it's not a problem. It's not a problem. 
So anyway, the only reason is we've made it a problem in Australia, well, not us personally, but, you know, politicians and media, they've made it a problem is because they keep bashing you with the same old message. So it sinks into your back of your head and you start regurgitating that crap. That's the problem. A lot of people start regurgitating that stuff and they, then they take it as gospel. So that's the culture war we've got to fight. We've got to turn things around that way. Exactly. So thanks, Luke. We appreciate your uh, email. Like we said, not, not directed you personally or any farmer in particular. We know there are some good ones out there. So hope you keep listening and um, yeah. enjoy the show. Thank you, Luke. Would you like to advertise on one of the most tech-savvy mediums on the internet? Then why don't you advertise with us on the Australian Hunting Podcast? If you have a product or business that you would like to promote, then we would love to hear from you. Become one of our partner advertisers by calling Jason on 0425 881 967 or email australianhuntingpodcast at gmail.com. All right, we're going to start talking... Uh, a lot of people have enjoyed last time we actually spoke about scopes, didn't we? We spoke about yeah. hunting in close quarters, mm. what scopes you may need to go on rifles. Again, we're not experts in any of these areas, but we've been around, I guess. But we've, we've got a lot of experience between experience. us, probably about 30 years' experience between us, Jase. Yeah, and, and things that have worked, things that haven't worked in the past, um, things that we should have done and we've wasted money, haven't we? We've done oh, things yeah. that... I think, why did I do that? Like when I, I've said before on the show, when I bought my uh, 7 mil 8 deer rifle and I put a 6.5 to 24 on that, and I thought this was great. I've got a telescope on top of it. More mm. power, the better. Yeah. And then I just looked like a complete dick. Yes, because you, know? you wanted to be a sniper when you... <laughs> when when I, I can't even shoot him at 40 <laughs> yeah, metres. Exactly. <laughs> so anyway, look, the topic that we're going to discuss, guys, and some of you guys might, may be listening to this show while you're driving in your car, uh, going down um, your hunting trips, your uh, private property or your state forest, Forest or your national parks or wherever you might be hunting. Um, we mean top... national parks if they're supported by you know yeah. being able to hunt in them like Victoria, exactly like in Victoria and so on, of course. Uh, so you guys, you guys might be going down for uh, your hunting trip during October long weekend. You might be wanting to listening to this podcast to find out some tips and specifically. And now a lot, I know a lot of you guys are experienced hunters and you, and you got your shit already mastered. You got all your stuff sorted out. You know what you need. You know all your equipment and stuff like that. So I know a lot of you guys will be going, oh well. That, that's pretty, you know, that's pretty st- straightforward information. But there are a lot of people, young hunters, who don't know a lot of this stuff and who are just starting out. Have, they've only been on one trip or maybe they haven't been on any trips at all and they're probably just taking their first trip uh, during this October long weekend. So we're just going to try and uh, talk about a couple of subjects in regards to the equipment that you take, what sort of gear do you need, how do you travel light, if you've got a big ute or a small ute or if, what sort of vehicle you're going to travel in. Where are you going? Those sort of things, so that just to make maybe help out a lot of those new guys that are starting out in terms of their equipment. So, Jason, okay, tents versus swags. Tents versus swags. I okay. had. I, well, I'll go first a little bit because I I hate putting up tents. Right. Hate it with yeah. passion. Hate right. it. Yep. Right. Takes too long. Yeah, you got these ones that just fold up now and all this fan dangled mm-hmm. stuff. Now I had. I think it was a. A Boab swag, which I think was from Ray's yeah. Outdoors. Now, that was a double swag. Yeah, now, it was a big one. <laughs> it was huge. It was like, when it's rolled it was like, up, it was like, like a Japanese torpedo tube. Yeah. <laughs> and when I bought it, don't get me wrong, absolutely fantastic quality, fantastic uh, comfortability, sleep like an absolute baby. Mm. Uh, it was fantastic. It was mm. fantastic. But the problem was when you rolled it up, it was literally almost as tall as me. Mm. It was about probably, I don't know, one and a half meters high. Yep. And, and when actually the thickness, so if I put my arms around it, it was really thick. Mm. And then so I had one. My, one of my other hunting buddies had one. Literally, that took up all of our space. 
Just two yeah. double swags. Yeah. Just two double swags. There's no room for guns. So there was no, there's no room for anything else, really. It was kind of funny. Um, so I originally went back, I think, to literally just one of those pop-up tents, cheap pop-up tents, about 150 bucks, $200. Well, yeah, that's not a cheap one. Well, you know, to, well, to me it is. You know, I mean, cheap, but it's I a guess, pretty good one. Uh, what's, what's the brand name of that? I think it was like, I don't know, Couture or something. Is that Couture yeah, yeah, or something? Yeah, I think so. Q-U-C-H-U-A But, but it or takes up very little space. Yeah, it folds right up. It just yeah. you just release the little clips and boop, it just pops yeah, out literally. Like, like, and people yeah. will say, "Well, you know, those probably are not very, you know, waterproof, are they? Mm. They're not very waterproof." But the good part about me and Muzz is, and most of our guys that come on the trip, we take gazebos. Yes, yeah. you know the gazebos you buy from BCF, or yes. you can get them from Bunnings, I think, too. The, the three by three meter, gazebos. three by three yeah. meter gazebos. So normally when we go out, we'll have <clears throat> I pretty much camp and cook and yep. sleep under one. Muzz pretty much does the same thing with his gazebo, yep. and we've got a couple of other guys that come as well. And one of the other guys that we normally go with, he carries two. Well, actually, Jason, just before we continue on with the gazebos, let's stick to the tents, okay, and the swags, right? So, yep. so the, the the cons with the swag. So you had a double size. swag, okay? Is specifically the size, and I'm especially not a, with a double. Sm- swag. I'm not a small guy either, so yeah. I need a double one. I hate being cooped up. I hate being claustrophobic. Mm, mm. I just don't like that. Yeah, see, I've had several swags um, throughout my hunting uh, life, and probably about <laughs> I reckon there are about six of them. Right now, the one of the mistakes I made is I bought a hundred percent cotton swag. Okay, on the internet, don't buy one. All right, very simple reason. Too hot? They're, nah, they're just they're too breathable. If you if you're camping in a cold area where there's a lot of wind or whatever it is, mate, you're gonna freeze to death. They are just not warm enough. They don't retain enough of your body heat. So that's the problem with 100% cotton swag. So I do not recommend them whatsoever. Now the other reason why I've gone through so many swags is because some were either too hot, and you know I, I just don't like all that condensation that builds up inside the swag, and then you just move around. And then your, your whole sleeping bag is wet. Your head's wet. It's just not comfortable for me. Like swags to me are just not comfortable. And the other thing too, Jason. I mean, I'm sure yeah, a lot you of used you to guys... put them on the. Um, what was that thing you used to put on top of the stretcher? You used to use the one on a stretcher. Yes, yeah? yes. I'll get onto that. But but the, see, for me, the swag, the, the 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 cons with the swag, is that in the middle of the night, if you've got to go to the toilet, you've got to get up, and it's usually freezing cold. And you may not have your your clothes on you. You have to get out of your sleeping bag and you may have to put some clothes on to walk 10 metres somewhere and and do your business, uh, you know, go to the toilet. You know, that really used to grind me. I hated that. I hated the fact that I had to get out into the weather just to stand up. And that really used to um, get on my nerves. And I said, no, that's it. I said, I've had enough. So what I've done... Uh, what I've done was I said I need to get some, I need to find a different way to sleep. So I looked around the tents that were available. Now tent tents have gone a long way, Jace. There's a whole bunch, of, a whole new generation of tents out there now that are very easy to set up. They don't have those um, annoying poles that you've got to put together and then thread them through the hoops and things like that. That's just used to cheaper ones do. Yeah, well, cheap <laughs> ones do, but even the expensive ones. That, that, that just used to annoy the crap out of me too. So I, that's one feature I don't like about the tents. But some of the new tents out in the market that are that are basically labelled as instant up or or easy up tents are, are really good. Like I mean, um, the, the Coleman have got. A uh, instant up tent. I think Austral have got a new, a brand new tent uh, which is out on the market. 
Uh, let me. I'm just looking at my phone here, Jason. Just checking it yep. out. Okay, so you got Austrail Cruiser, uh, which is a fast frame tent uh, for about two hundred dollars. I think the Austrail Tourer as well. Is some yeah, Tourers as well. Some of them have got. Some of them are quite easy to set up. They don't require any pole assembly whatsoever. Now they're pretty good, and I really rate them because I can sleep in them comfortably. They don't take up that much space. I can sleep in them comfortably. I buy a stretcher. I put a stretcher in there, and I put my sleeping bag on top, and it's just very comfortable. I sleep straight, uh, especially those who, who don't like sleeping on the ground because you may wake up with a sore yeah. back. I mean, we've all experienced that. Sleeping on uneven ground is just not my thing at all. Uh, I like to avoid it at all costs, and that's why I usually carry a tent, a stretcher, my sleeping bag, and I usually sleep pretty comfortable. And the beauty about that is in the middle of the night, if I've got to get up and go to the toilet, I can get up and I'm dry. I'm inside my tent. I would never buy a tent that I couldn't stand up in anyway. So that's a very important feature. If you if you want to buy a tent, make sure it's one that you can stand up in. So that's very important because when you're getting dressed, it's a great dressing room as well. So your tent doubles as a really good dressing room so that yeah. you can get dressed in privacy, you can stand up, you don't have to hunch over and bend your back just to get some pants on. And that's why I, I really do rate tents. And look, I've slept in plenty of swags and don't get me wrong, they're comfortable. I, I used to have a setup where I had a stretcher and I put my swag on top of the stretcher and I still got that set up at home so that anywhere I used to, anywhere I'd go, I don't, wouldn't have to worry about the uneven ground. I'll set up the stretcher and I'll put the swag on top and I'll be sleeping flat mm. all the time. And that, that was good too because when you get out of your swag, you can just pull your feet over and then you're sitting down on it like a normal human being, not you know rolling off onto the grass <laughs> from the from the swag. So like, so that's one of the features. With, I with was the actually tent. looking at one of those, you know, those Oz tents, the Oz tent RG threes, fours, mm. fives, but they're really expensive. They're like they're pretty much you put them on the ground, you fold them out, clip it up over your head. Yeah, you know, they sort of angle down a little bit, so you can. Yeah. My height, I can only really stand pretty much at the front of it. Mm. It's not mm. like flat all the way because obviously when the, if it rains it just rolls straight off that's the idea of it i guess but yeah they're like a thousand dollars twelve hundred thirteen hundred dollars and you know can you justify that amount i mean for hunting yeah, it's a know, lot of, it's five, a lot of money ten times a year maybe you know 20 mm. times a year even you know so it, it's a lot of money look uh, and uh, to be honest a lot of these tents that i've just mentioned especially with the ones that are easy easy pop-up tents you don't have to assemble it you know in, it doesn't come in 50 million pieces they're only about between two and four hundred dollars depending on the size you buy. So they're quite affordable. Austral make one. I think Coleman make one as well. So they're, they're pretty good. So I'm really sold on them in terms of uh, uh, how comfortable they are, in terms of their versatility, and in terms of the amount of space they take up in your car. They pretty much don't really take up any more space than a swag. So, I, I, I mean, I really rate them, Jason. My little, uh, yeah. little fold-out one hardly takes up any room. Mm, takes no, me about no, takes no three space or at four all. minutes to put it up. Yeah, it's not as probably good. But again, like I say to everyone, even if you've got a tent and you don't, if you don't season them properly, tents or depending on what material they're made out of, I reckon my opinion is I'm not, not always right, but I reckon they're, a lot of them are going to leak. It's just if you're out there for three or four days in torrential rain, either you go home yeah, or... Yeah. Or well, it's going to leak. Th- that, is, that is always a problem. So but gazebo, that's where the gazebo comes in. That's where the gazebo comes in. So uh, personally, personally, my tent uh, has never leaked, and I've, I've slept out in the rain and no problem. It's, it's really never leaked. So it's, been, it's served me well, really. I mean, it has. I've got no complaints about it. And to be honest, the vast majority are good quality tent anyway. The vast majority are pretty much 99.9% waterproof. 
unless you, you're in absolute monsoon weather. Now, let's go to the next piece of equipment, the gazebo, Jace. Three by three meter gazebos, they're roughly around about $150 to $300, depending yeah. on which one you buy. They're fantastic value, and this is one vital piece of equipment you guys should really invest your money in because they serve a lot of purposes. They provide you with a great shelter, okay, for your campsite uh, in case it rains, uh, or they provide you with shade. You put it over your tent. They provide you um, in shelter from the weather. They're, they're just fantastic. Uh, it's an essential piece of equipment, in, in, in my opinion, uh, when you go out, especially when it comes to, I guess, increasing the comfort of your campsite, very easy to set up. Only take even you can even set up with just one person. Me and Jason always take two. I take one. He takes the other one as well. Oh. So we set them up around our campsite, and we always got plenty of shade. And they're really, really good. So gazebo, yeah, absolutely, definitely, I would uh, invest money in a gazebo. Uh, Jace, what do you reckon? Yeah, and I think gazebos, you gave me that idea, actually. I think gazebos are pretty awesome. Let's talk about now, which, again, how you guys cook food. Mm. Now, I've got two different ways I used to do it, packing, pretty much cooking while you're there, steaks, eggs, bread, I guess whatever it may be. But I found my tip I guess I want to give from cooking is obviously I bring during the summertime when it's not cold, the little gas mate stoves, you know, with the portable butane burners. Awesome. Those are awesome. You know, grab a a six pack, mate, that'll do you easily for a weekend. No Mm, problem. mm. You'll be cooking for everyone. But I got a bit, I guess, not say annoyed, I wouldn't say, but like, especially when you come back from a deer hunt, it's what getting dark about what five thirty six o'clock. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, I want to get back. I don't want to spend you know half an hour cooking up a meal. You know, I want to eat something decent. So what I actually started doing was um, using those little Chinese containers, muzz. Oh and, yeah. And what yeah. I'd do is before I go out on a trip, I'd make up you know mm. five or six meals. How many, how many nights I'm going for? I'd normally cook like breakfast. So I'd bring eggs or bacon, some bread with it mm. to go with it, whatever. Even some spam sometimes. I've yeah. actually cut out a bit of spam. I love all the non-perishable stuff. Like I mean, yeah. I, I am I am a big fan of some of the chunky soups you can get out there, and I just love. But to why get a, when you can make yeah, your own I soup know, before I you know. go? I know, but you know what? I'm, nice and flavoursome. Use a crock pot for an example. I, I'm very big fan of nice and easy. That's what I'm. I'm a big fan of. So, for example, what about tasty. Yeah, I know, but a lot of those, uh, a lot of those things are, are quite tasty. You know, as long as it's non-perishable, as long as it doesn't require refrigeration or anything like that. I, I usually take some fruit as well because fruit will last for up to a week, so it's fine. We'll talk about four-wheel as, drive setups a little bit yeah, later as well. Yeah, that's right. But look, here's the thing, Jason. Right, it, it all comes down to your vehicle. So, for example, it depends what kind of vehicle and how much gear you can fit. A lot of you guys have dual cab utes. Okay, some of you guys have a single cab ute and, it's got, and you've got a big ute that you can fit a lot of stuff in. Uh, some of you guys have just got normal cars, like, for example, maybe a Subaru Forester or something like that. Yeah, exactly. A station wagon. Some of you guys hunt with that, right? So it all depends how much equipment you've got. So it's very important to think about the things that are important in your campsite and to think about what are you going to bring, what are the, what are the, the main things that are going to make your camping experience good and now my, my opinion is is that in my ute in my, in my dual cab ute in the hilux i've got a fair amount of space in the back i've got a toolbox there which i use to lock up my guns in and i'll carry the chainsaw and all that equipment and that but also what i do is i'll buy some of those 50 liter plastic containers from bunnings jason you see them for about 7.95 yep. or whatever they sell them right so i'll buy about four or five of them and then i use that to stack all my gear properly in the car so for example I'll ta- I'll, in one container i'll put all of my food utensils, cooking yeah. equipment, and all that stuff. And then I'll just usually pack – I don't try and put too much food in there because you, sometimes you end up just sitting around a campsite and just eating food and talking crap instead yeah. of hunting. So I just try to put the bare essentials. I'll take some really good hearty chunky soups. I'll take some 
canned tuna. I take some um, I take some breads, uh, eggs, of course, things like that. I I, I just Mars like to tends pack... to carry a lot of dry food, a lot of yeah, I, canned I like, food, dry that, food. That's just me. I like to pack very simple. I like to carry things that I don't have to worry about if it's going to go off or something like that. Now, I know a lot of you guys have got a fridge set up in the back of your car, which is also good. Jason's got a good fridge set up, and if you can carry steaks and sausages and things like that, fantastic. You know, that's that's gonna that's gonna really make your camping experience excellent. And I know Jason carries all the steaks and sausages for both of us. Yeah. Yeah, so, yeah. so that's really good. So, I mean, see, Muzz uh, doesn't have any. It doesn't have a dual battery. Nah. He does have the Hilux with like, what do you got? You got a tray on the back. Give him an idea. So they got a tray on yeah, the back. So I've got, got a, yeah, I've got a tray, tray on the back with a canvas canopy, and uh, that pretty much stores most of my stuff. I pack very, very carefully because what I do like to do is I like to plan for taking back a lot of meat. So, for example, when we go hunting, okay, so you shoot a big deer, okay, what are you going to do with it? Okay, so I'm the sort of person well, don't forget, I like last to... time you saw a deer, you filmed it and didn't shoot it. You filmed it instead of shooting <laughs> no, it. No, I wanted to get some footage of it, Jason. Oh, shoot it. Get the meat. Shoot I wanted it. to get some footage. Come on, anyway. Jeez. So, basically, so um, when it comes to the food, I usually take my 120-litre big ice ice um, cooler fridge, right? So Esky, what, yeah. Esky, the big ice esky. So it's not really an esky, it's it's a cooler. Um, Sorry. Oh, it's a cooler. Well, it's, you know, bad. it's it's, it's a... It's a um, Australians call them eskies, mate. Well, okay, no worries. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, well, I guess what would you call those big blue 150-litre, um, 170-litre... Really? Yeah, cooler, esky. Oh, okay. What do they? Call, they've got a different name for them in New Zealand. I think they call them something different. No, but I'm I'm always thinking of an esky as a traditional type of you know forty liter esky. It's something that you can carry with one hand. That's what I'm thinking. Well, it's got I mean? ice. It's got plastic. Yeah. It's got foam in the middle of it. It's just a larger version. Yeah, of an it's esky. got insulation. The reason why I like to carry that is because if you shoot a very large animal, then or or several of them, maybe you know if you're lucky enough then I like to harvest all the meat of the animal and I like to be able to uh, have space to put uh, put that animal in there. And then I usually carry with me um, two bags of ice, which I get from the service station on my way up. And that those bags of ice pretty much stay ice for the next three or four days, believe it or not. And they keep they keep everything inside pretty cool. So I like to carry that. Uh, and I also like to they carry... They call them a chilli bin. I just looked it up chili on the bin. Chilli bin in New Zealand, a <laughs> chilli bin. How awesome is that? Yeah. You call them chilli bins from now on. Yeah, so I like to carry that, and that takes up a lot of room uh, in, in the ute as well. So I, I prepare a lot of my stuff for being, for being able to bring game uh, game meat back. So um, that's, that's the reason why I don't like to pack too much food. So I usually carry all my food in a 75-litre plastic tub, and inside that I try and fit all my plates, my... Um, utensils, the oil, the salt and pepper, herbs, whatever, coffee, tea, whatever you can think of that you might want. You can so I like to put it all in the same in the same box so that uh, so that it's easy to access and I can get to it easily. And then Jason and I also carry those uh, butane burners. Yeah. Uh, in winter, when we normally yeah. go to the cold areas, we normally carry the LPG. The LPG, exactly. Because yeah. if, you, if you guys know, if you've been out there in the cold, those those butane burners after about if they get cold or they yep. run a bit too long they don't burn they don't burn they just yeah. go to crap so you need LPG in winter if it's going to be pretty much I'd say below you know well, if five it's, to if ten yeah, five yeah five degrees I was going to say it's 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 getting pretty cold then yeah. it's five degrees for, you know, forget about it bring your LPG bring a burner yeah. and it's going to burn hot and you're going to be ready to go yeah so basically when you're packing your food make sure you consider how many days you're going to go. Uh, make sure you consider how much space it's going to take up in your car, what kind of a car you have, and uh, at least pack 
try and pack as as light as you possibly can. That's my advice to you. Try and pack as light as you possibly can. Don't think you're going to starve. Some guys bring so much food, they think they're going to starve the weekend. No, you don't yeah, really need exactly. that much food. Trust me, you do not really need that much food because uh, most of the day you're going to be out there walking, hunting, and doing things anyway. You're not going to be sitting around a campfire and uh, you know stuff in your face. And you can buy those. I'm just looking at the Bunnings website now. You can actually buy a lot, a lot of those you know, Plano toolboxes yep. or whatever they are from Bunnings, actually. They actually sell them for, um, I'm not, not, I can't find it on here right now, but I know I was just at Bunnings the other day. <clears throat> and you can put them in your car and you can put your recovery gear in there. You can put food, you can put all your utensils in there. Mm. But tell us also about your car. What else you got on the car? Tell us about your setup, you know, that that's different than mine because then I'll go through mine and what the difference yeah, is between yeah, mine and sure, yours. Sure, no worries. Um, okay, so basically, I, I like to carry a lot of uh, stuff that it's, it's, I guess you can call it just in case. You know what I, mean? mm. I like to carry a lot of stuff like, for example, a tyre repair kit. Okay. Yeah, I've got one. Okay. Here. So, and I like. Very important tyre repair kit, guys. Very, very important. And learn how to use it because if mm. you get a flat and, you know, as well. Well, basically, a tyre repair kit um, enables you to uh, repair your tyre multiple times. So you can get a flat once, and if it's, uh, if it's not damaged the side wall, and if it's just a, a puncture, you can fix it. And then if you get another puncture, you can fix that again and again and again. So it's important to have a tire repair kit and also a small compressor. Unless to pump, you, unless pump you have tires. a massive blowout. Because you're right that the tire repair kits are really important. Another good tip for you, and I don't have one in mind, and I should because I'm going to get mm. this this weekend, is when you, don't forget when you're out in the bush, often it's going to be, you know, you're going to be on the land, you know, yep. you're not going to be on tarmac where you're going to have a strong base. So make sure you bring a piece, a good, a thick piece of wood with you. So when you actually jack up your vehicle, it's actually going to sit on something solid, which is that piece of wood. Mm. Because if you try and jack it up on the ground, it's just going to dig into the ground. It's not yeah. going to jack up, and you're going yeah. to be basically going to be screwed. You're going to be stuck there. So, so with the solid, with a good piece of wood, you're talking something like about, um, you're talking like uh, the treated pine, for example, that you, yeah. uh, treated pine decent pieces. That, thickness. That, decent thickness. The stuff that you'd buy from Bunnings that you would make a retaining wall with, for exactly, example. Yeah. Yeah. Just, just that sort of stuff. A piece, so, you yeah. can probably get it fairly cheap. Yeah. Um, you know, cut it a couple an of pieces. Cut, an yeah, off-cut. An off-cut. Come, give it to it. And yeah. if you've got enough for a couple of people, hey, go halves with someone or go threes, you know, because nothing worse if you're trying to jack up your car. Isn't it funny, Jason? It sinks into the ground. Yeah. Isn't it funny, but, you know, something as simple as that, you know, like a, a, a flat base for your jack, right? Well, if you okay. don't have it, you're screwed. If you don't have it, you're screwed, especially if the ground's a bit wet, because where are you going to find a flat base out in the bush, especially if you, you know, if you get a flat, or, or you know, if you get a flat tire. But and it's more so there's the... There's nothing around other than just rocks and plants, you yeah, know? It's more so the, you know, the weight, and yeah. especially the base, there's no exactly. base on them. They'll just dig into the ground, they'll just sink. Yeah, that's so it's, right. It's so, not, not going to do anything. Yeah, that's right. So, I mean, we always carry those sort of things. We carry a snatch trap so that, it will, you know, so if someone gets bogged, at least you've got another yeah. car you can you can take you out. We, we carried all those things. And some of you guys who are already, you know, really experienced and go forward driving quite often have got um, also got winches in front of your cars and things like that. But anyway, Jason, we're, we're getting off track here. We were talking about our, our cooking. Now we're getting into uh, cars that's all right. and equipment. We're, we're going to talk about all this stuff anyway. So we're going to give some tips yeah. about what we do. You know, something a bit different on this show, guys. I know you're used to the, the politics and all that. And we will do a little bit. But mm. we're just trying to concentrate today, I guess, on, on hunting and tips. And if you've got any tips, write into us. We want to hear your tips. We'll yeah. read them out on the next show. But what we want to focus on, Jason, and what I'd like to focus on actually is just things around the campsite that make your hunting experience much better. You know, things like, for example, having a good sleeping bag. Uh, what sort of sleeping bag should you buy? For example, a good night's sleep or having a rough night's sleep and being miserable, cold or whatever or hot 
can be the difference between enjoying your next day or you know being look, looking groggy and miserable the next day and not having can a I great add to experience that, at all. There's nothing worse mm. being out in the bush. Yep. You don't have your gazebo. Yeah. And you get wet. <laughs> yeah. And your sleeping quarters gets wet. And it's, you know, minus three. Yeah. Mate, you, you're better off just going home. You're never going to dry it out. You're just going to be miserable. You're, you're gonna, just going to be miserable. It's going to be, and trust me, I'd go home if that happened because <laughs> it's just, where are you going to go from it? It's not going to dry out unless you find a place to get really warm during the day, but I don't think so, especially in the middle of winter. It's not going to dry out and you're going to be stuffed and you're going to be cold. Like Mario did one time, we went on a trip. He, Totally had a brain fart. If you remember this, he forgot his swag. <laughs> Thank you for reminding the listeners. He forgot Jackson. his stretcher. <laughs> you bastard. He forgot his binoculars. Every twenty minutes, he was going, "Oh shit, I forgot that too." And I, thought, I don't know. I, I said, that, "Don't that worry." Was... I said, "Don't worry about your binoculars." And then about twenty minutes later, he goes, "Oh no!" And I said, "What?" And he goes, "I think I left my swag roll up, which inc- incorporates his sleeping bag." So he pretty much had to sleep out of a friend's. Uh, car uh, in the back of the uh, back Thank of a basic car. For reminding everyone and of then that. He, and then the next day when we actually got, I think, I think we got there one night, didn't we? And we set up and he slept in there that night. And then the next day he had to go down to town, which was probably 40 kilometers away, and actually buy a little uh, inflatable mattress to let float. Yeah, I, bought a, I bought a really nice sleeping bag too, which I still have today. But anyway, just let's get, <laughs> let's move on. Yeah. Move let's on talk from about that story. Mother's giving tips and he's got all his <laughs> failures, uh, just inert failures, you know, when he goes on the trips. Uh, we've, all had, we've all had a lot of failures. But look, the purpose of this is to possibly help some of you guys that are starting out from wasting hundreds of dollars of your money on stuff that's just not going to work. So anyway, but um, when it comes to uh, being comfortable around the campsite, really the, the one thing I can say after all my years of hunting, okay, the one thing that I really love is my tent, my stretcher, and my sleeping bag. I really love that. That makes me really comfortable at the campsite. It gives me a good night's rest. I sleep really well. I wake up. I don't have a sore back from uh, you know the uneven ground or anything like that. I feel great, and I'm ready for the day's hunt. So it's very important to think about that. So you want to feel comfortable when you get out there, especially if you, you know, I'm, I'm middle-aged. I'm approaching 45. I'm not a young, you know, one of those young 21-year-olds that can sleep on a rock. Um, so, you know, some of you guys might be a little bit older, and you might want to think about being comfortable in the campsite and, and enjoying your hunt a little bit more by being well-rested. So that's very important. Now, the sleeping bags, Jason, what I recommend to everyone is they get a really nice, comfortable sleeping bag that, that, that at least has got plenty of room inside for you, not one of those things that makes you look like a, look like a popsicle, you know, mummy. one of those things, a mummy or anything like that, but something that's really comfortable, and I recommend you get at least, at very least, a minus 10-degree sleeping bag. And the reason why I say that is because a minus 10-degree sleeping bag will keep you warm in the harshest uh, of conditions, even a minus 12, if you can get a minus, minus, minus 12. I'm going to disagree. I'm going to minus 20. You can disagree. It's a double, I think it's a darch or darchy or darch, yeah. whatever they're called. Yeah. Uh, mine's a double and it's minus 20 and it's perfect. Yeah. I've been with Dan, me and Muzz have been hunting in <clears throat> State Forest and it was like minus five and, you know, I pretty much had three sets of clothes on and a minus 20 and that was just good enough for me and right. i had my little russian hat on you know with yeah. the little side ears on it what do they call russian russian army hat i don't you know? know i don't know what they're called but they look pretty cool yeah those little <laughs> russian hats you know with the little side ears that come down in the back and i pretty much had to sleep in that because don't forget if your head gets cold yep. you get cold as well 
And, you know, inside those swags, when swags, well, tents, can still get To be honest, cold. Jason said he's got a minus 20 sleeping bag. I've never actually seen a minus 20 sleeping bag, Jason. It's thick and it's perfect. No, but is it really rated minus 20? I don't well, think so. Da- Dash is a good brand. No, I think it's a rated minus 12. I think you'll find Okay, I'm going to prove you wrong. Next show, guys, I'm going to get an apology on the air. No, because I've never really seen one. I don't think they have one that's minus 20. Uh, Now, the the thing is with sleeping bags, it's very important to choose a good sleeping bag. Don't be cheap on the sleeping bag. Some sleeping bags might cost you up to $150. And if it really suits your purposes, then I say go out and buy it. Because you want to be comfortable in it. You want to be really comfortable and happy with it. Me, I take two sleeping bags every time I go. And the reason why I take two, in case in case one of them gets damaged or ripped or anything like that, and also in case the weather is a lot colder than what you expect, you can always sleep in one and then use the other one as a blanket on top to help um, to help you sleep at night to make sure you stay warm. Uh, no, I think he's so, right. It's a minus 12. Yeah, well, I knew it. it was me. He just looked it up on Hang the on, internet. No, this is the one, the green one. It's the green one. <laughs> Oh, no, it's minus 12. Minus 12, there Shit. you go. He's found his sleeping bag. I knew it was right. Oh, minus 12. Cool. It's a, Jason's, yeah, Jason's got a Darcy Cold Mountain, which is 160. Yeah. yeah. $1,400.4 wine, yeah. dual sleeping bag. Just a, It's awesome. It is awesome. Yeah, so I've got a... Now I, I know I why I, it's cold. I, I think I've got an Austral <laughs> Alpine, Alpine Jumbo, which is like one minus 12. That's a pretty good sleeping bag too. Yeah. So anyway, sleeping bag, very, very important, guys. Don't cheap out on a sleeping bag. Make sure you get a really good one uh, that's going to keep you warm, especially during winter because you're going to freeze freeze your bum off if you don't have the right gear yeah. and that's going to that's going to really ruin your day the next day because you're just not going to be able to get a good night's sleep. Yeah. See, me and Mazza said definitely different. I mean, let's talk about too a couple of different things on yours. We'll talk about this the other day. People were asking us about tyres and, and I'll go into my setup on my car and how, I guess, me and Muzz differ right, yeah, considerably right. in regards to our setups. People ask us, oh, you know what, my friend, oh, mud terrains. We've got to get mud terrains for an example, yeah. right? Um, you know, me and Mars, again, I would say if you're living, say, in a rural area where you're going to be driving off-road, say, at least 50% of the time, mm-hmm. I would say mud terrains would be a per- probably perfect for you in that regard. Now, me and Mars and probably a lot of hunters live in either towns in rural areas or they live in the city. Mostly cities, I okay, think. Okay, yeah. so we, I'm probably 90% in the city, 10% off-road, maybe mm-hmm. if I'm lucky, yeah. right? So we chose to go all terrains on our cars. Mm. Um, a lot of people, again, of course, you know, mud terrains are going to be noisy on the road when they start wearing down a bit. Um, you know, again, if you're living in the city, I'd say go for a good set of all terrains. I know I think Mazda's, what do you got, jewelers on yours? Yeah, I've got uh, desert jewelers on mine. They're all terrains. They're great tyre. Um, I love it. And they're very uh, quiet on the tarmac. Um, they're responsive. They're, um, look, I can't complain. And they're not expensive either. Some of you guys have got those super duper Coopers and things like that, which is great as well. Look, in my on my old Hilux, uh, Jason, I had uh, a cool set of mud terrains, and that's back then when you can get Firestones as well. I had a set of Firestone mud terrains, which are fantastic looking tire. They look bloody very aggressive, look awesome. So they look awesome. Yeah, but they look when awesome. You're on the road. You know, they're, they're very blingy. You know, a lot of you young guys love love that blingy look with your truck and you want to set it up so that it looks, you know, super aggressive. And that's fine, you know, it's good. But practically, when you put that tyre on the road... The wires down, they get really, really noisy. And they get noisy, yes, they make a lot of noise. And to be honest, they're not always um, the most responsive in the wet. So they can be slightly dangerous in the wet, especially if they're worn. So... Considering most of your driving, if you live in a city, most of not literally ninety five percent of your driving throughout the year will be on road. So you want to have a tire that pretty much is suitable on the road and can also handle 
the dirt as well when you get onto the dirt tracks. Yeah. So I would recommend you guys. I don't think your tires. tires. Yeah, I don't think yours are aggressive enough for me. That's my opinion. <laughs> but I've got um, which are a bit more expensive. I think than the, than the jewelers. <laughs> <laughs> Mine are BF Goodrich Ko twos, which are, are fairly aggressive, but they're not cheap. So depending yeah. on what size you need, I think I run two six five, seven five sixteen. Um, on the Triton, but they've been good. I rotate and rotate mm. them. You know, get the best life you yes. can out of them. I've got a, a little small cheap. I think it was a four bore Bunnings air compressor. It's not mm. that great. It does the job. Yep. You know, I've got a little, you know, what do they call it? A wrench to take them off, yep. air wrench to take them off. Uh, you know, rotate them every 5,000 Ks. It's not that hard. And I've got five and I rotate all five yep. in the rotation. So including the spare, I keep moving them around. Why do I want to keep a spare in three to five years? Because I, I mean, I've got my car, I've had it, what, two years? I've only done about 23,000. Ks in it, so about eleven thousand a year. So I just keep rotating it. Mean, mine look brand new, twenty three thousand yeah, no, Ks, right. and they look brand new. They will last a very long time. I mean, my desert jewelers now are very uh, due very soon, sometime later this year. I'm going to replace them, but I've done eighty thousand Ks in them already. There's ones you bought just last yeah. couple of, last year. Not last year. I didn't. Was there a couple? Of, or no, you, I remember you I bought, bought some I bought new the, ones. I bought ago. them three. I think three and a half years ago. Okay. Yeah, a long time Was ago. That long ago. Yeah, that, that's how time flies. Yeah, but did you rotate them? Yeah, rotate them, and I've done eighty thousand I mean, cases in the morning. Either do it when you go to your mechanic, or just learn to do it yourself. You're going to pay because I rang up to the shop one day and I said, "Mate, want to rotate five tires?" He said it was like eighty dollars, and I thought, "Okay, if I do that every five thousand, I'm I could probably buy a set of tires when you know." Uh, well, I've got a pretty good tire place, Jason, and uh, if I buy tires from them, they pretty much uh, rotate them for free, and they also check the pressures for free every time I go Ooh, back. So, oh, okay. Anyway, but look. Anyway, moving on from tires, it's very well, tires is a very important subject because you've got to have good tires that are going to be grippy uh, in the wet, especially on the road. So, uh, if you're carrying a lot of equipment, just don't don't forget, guys. Uh, a lot of you guys, some of you may not be used to towing a trailer or carrying a heavy load in your car. So when you first go out hunting, don't think you can handle, um, you know, be aggressive with your car on the road as you are when it's uh, empty because you're probably carrying an extra three, 400 kilos in the car of equipment. So uh, you've got to be uh, careful and just make sure that you take it easy on the road and uh, be be always aware of what your car's capable of. Yeah, we thought we'd talk quickly, just, just very quickly about, um, people ask about winches too. Now, Muzz always been on to me. Oh, got to have a winch, man. Got to have a winch, right? Do you think Muzz has got a winch in his car? No. No. It's sitting in his garage. <laughs> it's in my right? garage. <laughs> okay. But I will tell you, my experience with the winches are, if you're going away with people and they've got snatch straps, well, I've got a tow bar on mine. I've got recovery points. If you could go in with two or three people, mm. right, I don't think it's an absolute necessity to carry a winch because people can snatch you out, right? That's my opinion. If you're going to go a lot where you're going to be solo and on yeah. your own, yeah. I'd get a winch. Get a winch. Yeah. Get a winch. That's the most important thing. It's and a good investment. Speaking of that, we might even do a podcast on this in a, in a couple of months' time, the importance of, and I, if you listen to the show and you've been a regular, I think probably cut, well, probably three or four years ago now, when we first started doing this show, I gave Muzz a UHF radio. Mm. Put a goddamn UHF radio in your car. Yes. Right? Or a good buy, one. Or a good one or buy not the Chinese crap. Yeah, not the crap. <laughs> buy a decent radio. Actually yeah. they're all made in China, aren't they? Okay, <laughs> they might be. But um, we're talking brands. What's the good brands? GME. Right, yes. ICOM. ICOM, yes. Uniden. Uniden. Right, I've, I run an ICOM, I think it's a 410 Pro, which is one that goes in my dash. Uh, I did have a Uniden, which mm. was a great one too, which was where you can hide the base up underneath the dash. Yeah. Right, but even if you, even if you don't want to buy them one because you don't want to put one in your car, 
buy a decent handheld one. Yeah. Even some of the I've had got five some, watt. Yeah, five watt. I've even had some of the the cheaper Baofeng. They're like a Chinese one that you program yourself. I mean, I use them in the car when I get out of the car just to quickly if I need to go from thing. I didn't buy an expensive one. They mm. work fantastic as well, provided you got a computer. You know how to program them. It's not really that hard to do. So get a UHF, guys. Get good aerials. Don't buy the crap. Get good aerials. I, yep. pre- I prefer, like I'm in Western Sydney, so I'm not far from uh, RFI Antennas. RFI is an awesome Australian company. You'll find all their antennas on emergency service vehicles, police, fire brigade, you know, ambulance. You'll find RFI on all of the emergency service vehicles and in mines as well. That's my preferred. But again, you've got GME. They're the two that I'd probably yeah. look at. And there's, certain, and there's certain things, Jason, that you would take when you go hunting. If you're going yeah. solo, so what I mean by solo, not on your own, but just one vehicle. Right, if you're just going with exactly, one vehicle, yeah. there's certain things that you would take that you wouldn't ordinarily take if you're going with multiple vehicles. Mm. Right, so for example, if you're taking one vehicle, I mean, I would recommend you guys make sure if make sure you've got your services up to date with your car, and a, make and sure a that that niggly those yeah some tools. Make sure that niggly problem you've had with the car is fixed before you go. Yeah. Make sure your tires are good. Check your tire pressure. Uh, just check your suspension uh, and also all your steering arms and everything like that. Make sure that anything that needs that's got grease nipples needs to be greased. Make sure it's greased before you go. Uh, carry some basic tools, some screwdrivers, a socket set. Um, yeah pliers, things yeah. like that, that you might need to fix some things in an and emergency. And it also depends how old your car is, guys. Like, my mine and mine aren't, mine's only fairly new, so I guess yep. I, I can skimp on that stuff a little bit, but if you've got an old car, mm. take, you know, some spare... Not everyone can afford a new car, yeah, take some spare mm. oils, take yeah. some radiator fluid, take, you know, a spare fuel filter in case, you know, something gets clogged and it won't start, and that's the first place to look, yeah. you know? Take some tool set, as Muzz just said. That's the most important thing, because I've got a little tool set now, you know, I carry a couple of extra spare filters because I've got a secondary fuel filter in the Triton. Take a few things I, with you in case. Well, I'll tell you what, Jason. When I used to have my old Hilux, and this was an old the 1990 model SR5 extra cab, it was a great car. I loved it, but it was a bit, you know, it was a bit was sluggish because it didn't. It was the old models that didn't have the turbos, right? One of the things I used so to it was take. A pig, it was a pig. <laughs> yeah, one of the things I used to take with me all the time, which I actually had to use one time, but not on my own car, on a friend's car. Right is um, buy them at super cheap order, I think. And what it is, it's a radiator additive in case you get a small hole in the radiator. Because as you know, as you're traveling on the highways, there's rocks flung up on the back of your car from trucks and things like that. And not only that is um, when you're driving through the bush, you know, you could get a branch that sticks into your radiator or something like that. Uh, a lot of those things can happen, and that can really ruin your uh, hunting trip because um, a radiator with a small hole in it and all your water's leaking out and the car's overheating. That's just a disaster. So one of the things I used to always take with me is a radiator additive that actually stops um, a lot of those, uh, so plugs up a lot of those small holes that you might have in a radiator. And I actually had to use it on my friend's car. Uh, he That's had, good, yeah. He had a small hole, and so what we done, we put the additive, we ran water through it and so on, and then literally you can see that the small hole started to block up, block up, block up, and then it was just down to a tiny little drip. Uh, so it actually got us home. So that's a, a one thing that you can carry, which uh, will hopefully save you. And that's your why it's trip. good to carry tools too, because if you haven't got something, yeah. everyone else tries to carry some sort of tools. The chances are someone's going to have something, and you're going to be able to use it. You know? Yeah, like, absolutely. Yeah. I remember when one of my I didn't have any tools before, and one, I've got the big called aluminium canopy on the back with the three batwing doors, and one of my um, handles on the, one of the locks. Well, the, the nut came loose, so it was just spinning. So I'm thinking, well, if I go somewhere, someone mm. could probably just pull that open and just get into the back of my car. So yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, luckily, one of our other guys that had some tools had some spanners there, and I was able just to tighten it up on both sides and back in commission. So now every, you know, every couple of weeks, you know, buy a little tool bag, 
was. Just chuck something in there every fortnight. Go buy a few things, chuck them in. Yeah, that's right. You know? um, just think of the things that you might need. Have on. a look at your car. Have a look at what kind of tools you may need around your yep. car, whether it be sort of pliers, side cutters, and I mean, pretty much pliers, side cutters, a screwdriver, a screwdriver set, and, shifters, a, and a socket set, and some spanner set. Pretty much they're the basics you want to have. Uh, to be able to gloves, you know, things yeah, like that. Yeah, you know, I carry a set of gloves beside my uh, door, you know, when we got the chainsaw. Yeah, yeah that's so right, we'll talk yes. about chainsaws as well when you go out as well. Yeah, no, but I mean, good. those are the sort of things you want to carry with your car if you're going out on your own. So you want to be able to be ready for any kind of emergency because I tell you, there's some horror stories I've heard out there. Now, one of them is like, for example, a friend of mine went out. He was in a state forest very far away from uh, the nearest town. His car broke down. He couldn't do anything. He was pretty much stuck out there for five days. So what turned out to be a three-day hunting trip would turn out to be just a one-day hunting trip and four days trying to get the car out. So, I mean, you know, you've got a lot of those disasters out there. And, and part of that was him having to walk for a whole half a day uh, to the local uh, town to, to try and get some help. So, look, it's and That's uh, why, again, a radio of some description, it may yep. not, you may be too far away. But if you've got the emergency channel, which I think is five, mm. you know, you can try and you know, scan scan some channels, see if you can hear people. Just try that's and right. get help, you know. That's because why it's important. You're not always in mobile range. So, so sometimes you're in areas where you don't have mobile yeah. reception. And most of the okay. state forests and, and national parks, they wouldn't have any coverage, most of them. Well, you yeah, try right. Or a lot of them. Thankfully, some of them do, especially in the New South Wales, Auburn area. A lot of them do have uh, mobile coverage. But yeah, but Or if you get to a certain point, you know, you can go up to a certain point and then you get coverage. So Yeah, but I mean, these are the important things that you've got to take. So, okay, so Jason, all right, so we've got our tents uh, or we've got our swag, whichever you prefer. You've got your stretcher. Now, when you, got, when you buy a stretcher, I'll, pre- I'll recommend you get, get yourself a really good one, one that's uh, one that you can sleep very flat on. So it's not something that your body sinks into, right? Something that you can sleep flat on if, you wanna, if you're that inclined, you want to get a stretcher, get one, and especially one that's going to fit inside your tent. Don't get one that's bigger than your tent. That's very important too. So, for example, okay, so you've got your, your, your sleeping well, you've got your sleeping quarters sorted out, you've got a great, great sleeping bag. Uh, all that stuff should not take up too much room. Just be careful of how much room it takes in your car. So just make sure you've got enough space for everything else. So now you've got your box and you've filled it up with food and you've got some uh, cooking utensils, you've got your frying pan, you've got canned food or whatever you might have pretty much set up. You've got your coffee, tea, biscuits and things like that. That's all good. Now, Jason, what's important to get? Water. You must carry heaps Jerry of water. Jerry can water. Yes. You go to Bunnings, you can pick up a, you know, 20 litre drums, fill them with water. Normally, if everyone brings one of 20 litres, I mean, that's 80 litres for four or five people. That's a good to wash hands, wash yep. all your stuff. Exactly, because you're going to need it to wash your hands, drink, wa- wash drink. your dishes, to drink. drink. And most importantly, if you do need to fix your radiator, you're going to need a lot of it to put inside the radiator. Mm. Right? So that's very important. But sometimes, you know, you can get that from a local. Um, uh, from a local waterhole or any, something like that that you might find. I just thought of one thing, Genius. What? All right, here we go. Okay, call, you, me, call you, me Genius. Okay. <laughs> this is gonna. I'm gonna. This is gonna be great. Okay. Oh, this, right. this is great. Okay. Okay. So Tell you me. were talking about the tire repair kit, right? Yes. Yes. Okay. So let's say you're out in the bush. You. Yep. You in particular, yep. right? I'm yep. not. I'm not there. Okay. okay. You get a flat. Yep. <clears throat> right. So you use your tire repair kit. Yep. Okay. How, how are you pumping it up? You don't. You don't have a compressor. No, I do. 
That's Do you? right. Yes, it's inside the Tyra repair kit. Otherwise, it wouldn't be a Tyra repair. No. Kit. How, how, oh, is it? Is it? Are you using the aerosol version, or what are you no, using? No, no. What I've got is I've got a. Um, I didn't think you had it. I've got a. Yeah, no. I've got a small compressor, but it's a heavy duty one. It's not one of those El cheapo plastic things. It's a. Uh, this, I've got one this from one cost Super me Center. about. Yeah, this one cost me about a hundred dollars, and it's a pretty good one, and it's got long uh, leads that you that you attach okay, to yeah. your battery. I thought you right? didn't have one because when I bought one, I was like, well, yeah. No, no. I've know? got. I've got a. So I've got a little Bluetooth blue plastic toolbox that you buy, buy from Bunnings and inside that toolbox what I've put is I've put the, um, the tools to fix the tyre like for example those uh, plugs yeah. uh, and, and, and the tools to, to, um, uh, to get the um, rubbish out of your tyre and all that stuff and then uh, I've got the, the rubber plugs I've got uh, all that stuff and also inside I've got the compressor um, and I've got some basic tools as well in, inside that I need to uh, complete the tyre tire repair so now all that stuff is in my little blue toolbox, which I got from Bunnings, which is only about five bucks or whatever it is, and it fits in there, and it, and, I, and I keep That's it cheap. in my car. So the ones I'm so, looking at now are like ninety nine dollars. No, 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 not not those big These things. These are Pelican, no, no, no. Pelican cases. That's yeah, no, nah, not not those big things. They're they're just too big and, and bulky. Rhino, Rhino K, Rhino yeah. and Pelican. Yeah, no, so so I've actually made up a, a full tire repair kit that's got pretty much everything you need to repair the tire uh, completely, including pumping it up and out. That little compressor that I've got, you can pretty much buy them from Super Cheap for about seventy to a hundred dollars, and and they're, and they're pretty good. And now they use the the one that I've uh, that I have, I've, I've used a couple of times, and it pumps up the tire within literally three minutes. Mm. So it's not and too bad. Another good one, actually. Two things there. One, I got I got the Thumper version from Four Wheel Drive Supercenter. They uh, I got a Thumper. I think they're about a hundred dollars. They seem okay. So yep. again, if three people carry a compressor. You know, chances are, even if, if mine flogged out or it didn't work, yep. Muzz has got one. Exactly. Muzz doesn't yeah. have one, someone else has got one. There's always someone yep. that's got some tools that you know we didn't think of or whatever it may be. Yep. Um, another one also, too, a good one is I bought one, I just think it was off eBay, a tyre deflator. Ah. Yeah, a quick right. t- a quick tyre deflator. Right. So it's like a little gauge, you plug it on, you actually remove mm-hmm. uh, the, what, what do you call it in the middle of, don't even know the name. The valve. Right the valve. You remove yep. the valve, sh- comes in quick, yep. screw, screw it back in. Off you go again. And you can deflate your tyres and obviously use your compressor yep. to pump up your tyre. There's no point, guys, having a tyre repair kit if you don't have a compressor. Yep. Unless you carry those. I think you can get ones where they've got the air in like an aerosol. But if you've got big tyres, you're probably going to go through several of those. Mm. You're better off. And by the time you buy three or four of those, you're better off just buying a decent compressor. So all right, Jason, let's, let's, let's talk about another topic now. Okay, so for example, all right, so now you turn up to your campsite, you've got all your your tent or you've got all your good equipment, you've got your, all your stuff for eating, you've got, for example, your box with your butane canisters and you've got your little burner and you've got your frying pan, you've got everything like that. Okay, hey, what are you going to eat on? You're going to eat on the ground? What are you, you going to eat on? I, I use, well, this is... Well, you need to bring a table, don't you? Yes, the fold That's right. Yes, the bun- yes. Uh, we yes. say Bunnings because I feel sorry for Masters. They got put out of business <laughs> pretty, much, pretty much by Bunnings. Bunnings are pretty much cornered the market. Yeah, there's, just, there's no one else to pretty much shop from. But um, but yes, you, you've you got to have – this is one thing that you guys need to bring. You've got to bring a small fold-out table. Now, I recommend the ones that they've got at Bunnings, which are about 40 or 50 bucks. Now, they come in various sizes. Get the one that uh, folds out, the one that uh, packs, I guess, the most compact weight that it's going to be able to fit in your car 
or your ute. At least grab one, grab two if you can fit it. That's always fantastic because it's always handy to have I a second. I always run out of room. Yeah, it's always handy table. to have a second table in case you need to sit down and uh, food. And, and fix fix your gun, for example. Or, you know, like, uh, for example, clean your gun, gun out, whatever. They're always handy for that. So you've got to have some a, a table. You've got to have some pretty good chairs as well. Make sure when you when you are buying a chair, make sure it doesn't take up too much room in your car. It all depends how much space you've got, of course. Some of you guys might be going hunting in a, in a Subaru Forest or something like that. You may not have as much room as a, a dual cab ute or a single cab ute. So you've got to be careful with your space. So, I mean, these are the, the basic necessities that you need to just make your camping life more comfortable. But so, that's why that's why Muzz is a bit different than me because mm-hmm. Muzz, as I said, likes to you know pretty much eat on the fly. He tin food, whereas I'm a little bit different. Mm-hmm. You know, I carry I've got the dual battery system. Yep. I carry the 12 volt fridge, the angle fridge, and I use those. As I said use those Chinese containers to make up all my food. Or another option for you, people always ask me, well, what do you do if you if you've got frozen meat? And you're going mm. away for a week. Yep. A good option is is vacuum seal your meats, freeze them, and then put them in the fridge. Mm. And over several days, don't forget they'll thaw out. Dep- yep. Depending on how long you're going for. Now, don't forget if you put even even if you take the meat from the supermarket, you yep. vacuum seal it and put it straight in your fridge in your in your four wheel drive. It'll last three weeks. So mm. unless you're going out for longer than three weeks, you, d- you really don't even have to freeze them. Really. Yeah. Especially yep. if you're going for four or five days, vacuum seal them. Day before you go, put them in your fridge. Yep, and yep. then and then they'll, they they won't go off for three weeks. As I said, if you're going to go out for a week, perfect. Yeah, so I four mean, days, perfect. It's you know, good if you've got a fridge set up like Jason. Jason's got a really good. And I good cook them fridge. before I go. So that mm. way, I come in, I get my little butane stove, my fry you pan. You cook the steaks before you go. No, 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 no. no. But, but that's what I'm going to do. That, that's another <laughs> option. But if I've cooked all the food and they're in Chinese containers, mm. oh, it could be a, you know fried rice and chicken, could yeah, be yeah, yeah. whatever it is. I put them into the thing. I just pour them into the fry pan. I mix it up, which basically heats it up. So I take it out in the morning, so it thaws out if it's frozen. Yeah, right. By the time I come back at night, it's it's thawed out. Chuck it in, mix it together, heat it through, and then I'm so tight that I just pour it back into the Chinese <laughs> container and then eat straight from the container and then just chuck the container in the fire. A lot of our listeners right now it, thinking, yeah. a lot of our listeners right now thinking, geez, that Jason's got a lot of time on his hands. Yeah. Bloody but, hell. but it's not Who can hard. be bothered. I know, but it's, it's not hard to make up, you know, <laughs> no, four or five meals, you know, no, to take out I in agree. the field. I agree, but you know, uh, and some of them are the same. I might have the same thing. I might have say two different meals. Mm. I have one one night. One the next night, go back to the first one the third night, and then I eat the same thing. Yep. I don't really care when I'm out in the field. Then during the day, you know, during the day I'll have you know bacon and eggs in the for lunch or something, or oh, bacon and eggs on the campsite. There's yeah, nothing better a couple than of snacks. Take a couple of snacks while I'm walking around. Maybe some muesli bars mm. for an example. Some water. Yep, and you're good to go. Because sometimes I don't like to go out for you know eight or nine hours. I get I don't get bored, sort of thing. But you know, if you're out from you know five o'clock in the morning until five at night, it's quite a long day. So we normally come back, we have lunch, we meet up again, have a laugh. You know, go out again in the afternoon for five or four or five hours, come back at night and then sit around the fire. And, you know, mm. that way when you have the plates, you don't even need a plate. You just put it back in the Chinese container, eat it, boom, straight in the fire, burns. No <laughs> dramas, it. no it. dramas. You know, that way you don't have, to, don't have to worry about it. One thing also I want to talk about too, a quick one as well, when I know because I've gone out with friends, mm. well, the biggest thing when you go out that's going to be your enemy on the road out in the bush is what most at night. Oh, well. Come on, genius. Uh, Let's go. What's going to jump in front of your car? Well, ruse. Exactly. Yeah, so, wombats. two things, two <laughs> things I'm going to mention there. If you've got a four wheel drive, and I, I cleaned one up probably on the last trip. Yep. I think it was when I came home. The little bastard just wanted to run straight in front of my car, mm. was nowhere near me, and then just literally turned to literally run into my car. They're crazy yeah. little things. Is a bull bar, if you can afford it. 
Yep. That's if you can afford it. Obviously, you know, I would recommend that, especially if you especially if you live more rural area, definitely a must. And the second thing I've been out with too many guys, and me and Muzz, as you know, if you listen to the show regularly, we've had a lot of discussions about making sure you've got spotlights on your car or a light bar. Something that's gonna light up the road, gonna, you know, make sure you're safe, hopefully see those animals on the side of the road. And obviously when you go out, you wanna be able to see what's in front of you. Mm. You wanna be able to see what's in front of you. Really important. And I mean, again, you guys you can you can spend the big bucks, you know, fifteen hundred, two grand on a set of spotties, or you can like me, I bought the Chinese ones, stoked with them, more yeah, than happy nah, with they're, them. They're good more than happy. And like I said, if Ruse hit them. $300 for the set? I think they're about, yeah. you know, cheaper even. I mean, even like I said, I don't want to recommend them, but I've got guys that have got the $150 four wheel drive Supercenter ones. Yeah. More than happy with them. Yeah, yeah. You know, one of our other friends has got them, said he's more than happy with them. You know, if a Rue hits them and smashes them, okay, well, you're going to be less upset. With a hundred and fifty dollar mm. pair, otherwise they smash your light force spotlights, yep. and you, you, you know they're not going to insure your thousand dollar spotlights. You, you can't insure those types of accessories, yep. so it's going to be very difficult. So, but anyway, some lights, get a light bar, get a set of lights. You know, one hundred fifty bucks, two hundred bucks, something that's going to help you out when yeah, you need to. That's right. So, okay, Jason, right? So now let's let's move on to the next topic. Okay, so we've got our so we've got our tent. We're, we're sleeping well. We've got our you know tent or swag. We've got our. Um, a sleeping bag or stretcher, you know, we're, we're doing well there. We're, we've got our camping equipment. We've got uh, the cooking equipment. We've got our table. We've got our nice, comfortable chairs. Uh, we've got all that. But now what we're doing is we are packing for the day trip. So, for example, you've got your gun. You, you're going to take out um, uh, your backpack. You're going to take things in your backpack so you can go for a walk with your rifle to see what's out there. But what do you put in your backpack, Jason? So you might go for a long walk. You might go for about a good two, three hours walk away from camp, or you might go for a short walk for about half an hour. So what are the things that you would put in your backpack, Jason, when you go out for a walk? Well, okay. what, what do you think were the bare essentials? Okay, for me, starting off first, I would say I love my binoculars. Yep. Very important. Depends yeah. on what terrain you're hunting in, but even in some... But wouldn't you have that strapped on you with your... Binocular? Yeah, you have that yeah. strapped on you. Yeah. You have that strapped on you, so like, um, that's a piece of equipment that you'd want to take. I mean, you've got to take it with you, I know, because it's important for hunting, but what, what I'm talking about, not necessarily so much um, in terms of uh, shooting game, but what happens when you go out there and, and for example, you shot a nice pig, okay, what's the next step? Okay, what, what, so what for take? me, I need a good knife. Right, that's okay, number yeah. one. So knife. knife. So yeah, for me, knife, yeah. I know the meat eater uses them, but I had one at the start. I use the uh, Havilon knife, which is yeah. the um, I don't know which one mine's called actually, but I'll find I out. I actually for take you guys. A, knife, a whole knife roll. I'll, I'll take a whole knife roll in my yep. backpack. Yeah, I do. I've got some. I've got two different yeah. ones. I got the Havilon knife is really good when I'm out in the field. Yeah, right because it's got the replaceable blades. If they yep. get blunt, open up a new one, sterile. Yeah, keep going. But I've also got some butcher knives too. You yep. know, so I've got some Victoria knocks, boning knives. I've got that's what I used to carry in the fields: some Victor- boning knife, mm-hmm. skinning knives. Um, but more than one knife, right? No, sometimes, yeah, 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 yeah. So I, I recommend. Look, but you'd be surprised what you can do with those Havilon knives. Yeah, yeah, of course. But my point is, is that I would always carry more than one knife because you could damage one, or it could or you know, blunt, or you get blunt. Why or, you or carry you may, the Havilon, or you may even lose it. You know, you never know. So I, 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 I usually carry a skinning knife and I carry a boning knife. And um, and uh, the reason why you got to carry knives out there is because when you see a lot of a lot of new hunters, they go out and they don't really expect to see much game, or or they or what they do is is they um, they're not really prepared to what happens after you shoot, for example, a deer or a pig. The or shooting like parts. That. The, now, now that I realise, it's the easy part. Yeah, that's well, like, relatively easy. Re- part. Relatively, <laughs> relatively at times, still not easy for some, but. But relatively easy. But then what happens afterwards if you want to harvest the animal, if you want to grab a trophy, if you want to, you know, what, what sort of equipment do you need? Well, 
first of all, like I was saying, you need you need some good knives or a good knife roll. I would recommend, okay, so that you, you're able to at the very least gut the animal. Okay, it's very important to be have more practice at gutting the animal, so that once you've gutted the animal successfully, you're able to harvest the meat. So it's important that you gut the animal within half an hour of you shooting it, so that basically uh, you can stop the rigor mortis process um, occurring, and you can make sure that the meat's going to be good. So. Uh, gutting the animal very very important. But how are you going to gut it? I mean, Jason, what would you what would you use? Would you do it on the ground? Would you try and hang it up? Or you... depends. Sometimes depends on uh, on the last trip. What I did, hmm? I just took the the back legs, the front legs, yep. and the yep. back straps. So it depends on what situation you're in. Yep. Yep. If you're close to the road and you can get it to the road, you can get it back to your vehicle. Maybe yep. then get it back to your camp, hang it up on your gambrel. Yep. Um, that's an option too. And also, if you're not some guys... But wouldn't you take that with you, the gamble? You could. If you yeah, could. Yeah. if you got it in your car, and you, or you can possibly... And, you know, and some rope? Yeah, you can. I know guys that carry, what do they call it, like a block and tackle? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And they, th- they know how to rig it up. Go on the internet. Go on YouTube. There's really good videos on a small little block and tackle you can use um, and an easy way to get mm. basically game up onto a tree. Yep. And gut it. But again, like I said, depends on what your experience is, you know. And some also people, depends on what you want to do with the animal, right? So, for example, if you want to try and harvest the the pelt and the and the meat yep, yep. and like the whole animal it's very important that you carry knives with you so that you're able to gut the animal but straight away have you noticed this sometimes when people go hunting you notice they they gut the animal skin mm. the animal on mm. the gamble hanging up and then they just take the back legs the front legs and the back straps anyway <laughs> there's no real i find there's no real point in doing that guys if you're just going to take yeah. the back legs front legs and back straps just don't gut it just do basically what they yeah. call the gutless method yeah. take the back legs take the front legs gutless, take the back straps the well method. that's what they call yeah, it no it's, but it really <laughs> it's is funny, the, yeah. it's, as in you're not gutting the animal yeah, yeah. i mean if you want to call people gutless. <laughs> <laughs> but you know that's actually a good idea you know but if you're going to if you're going to skin the animal and hang it up your miles will get Everything. Try and get the neck meat. Yeah. Try and take it right down to the bone. Looking for outdoor equipment for your next adventure? At Aussie Outdoor Gear, you can find cooking equipment, camo clothing for kids, backpacks, camo accessories, and much more. We cater for your hunting, fishing, camping, hiking, and other outdoor pursuits with our unique product range. AussieOutdoorGear.com.au. Quality gear at affordable prices. All right, so we're going to take a knife. Or some knives, we're going to take some decent rope so we can use it to hang the animal up yep, if, if we want to. If you're not keen on touching too right. much of the blood and guts and that. Take some, some gloves. Some dustless gloves from yeah. um, from Bunnings, you know, like the, yeah, latex, dustless, the latex, latex, latex dustless gloves. gloves. Yep. Yep. So you're okay. not dust all over your you meat. Take that. Powdered, so, non, non-powdered version, guys. Yeah, yeah. So basically you can take all those things and uh, be prepared uh, for what's uh, for what's going to happen after you after you take the shot? There's no point you walking out one and a half hours somewhere, and then or you know you shoot your animal, and then you realize, oh, uh, what do I do now? <laughs> I want to yeah. I want to harvest this animal, but I'm an hour and a half away from camp, and by the time you walk back and drive back and find it, uh, it's probably already stiffened up. <laughs> you know mm, what I mean, mm. so you it's hard you won't be able to harvest any meat. So it's very important when you go out there in your backpack. Uh, that you're prepared what's going to happen after you shoot the animal. So you basically got to have some uh, ropes on you, so the appropriate knives, and something to hang the animal up and with. And sometimes, so. too, if, you, if they're big enough, you, I carry that um, not cheese, is it like cheese cloth, like muslin cloth. Yeah, That's muslin it. cloth. Muslin yeah. cloth. Yeah. I, you can go to it. You just find a local butchery somewhere, a butcher wholesale. You can buy it on the roll. They'll just cut it to whatever size you want. You can reuse it. Yeah. What I normally do is I normally just chuck it in the um, washing machine, with a bit of bleach and stuff, yep. bit of bleach and a bit of uh, washing liquid, soak it, 
you know, on a soaking cycle for four hours, and then as mm. it, and then it runs into a full, uh, you know, washing machine cycle. That normally cleans any blood up. Uh, the the bleach in there cleans it right up, sterilizes it, chuck it back, hang it out in the, on the line, put it back in your bag. Yep. You're ready to go for next time. That'll keep any flies off. It keeps any grasses, yep. anything like that, you know. But also, Jason, it's important to mention to new hunters out there. So the reason why my, myself and Jason are saying you've got to have knives to gut the animal is because you don't necessarily have to carry the animal back to camp right then and there. You can leave that animal there for quite a while and it'll be okay as long as you've gutted it especially if you hang exactly, it up yep. especially if you hang it up on a tree yep. uh, you can go for a leisurely walk back to camp mark mark the spot in your GPS mm. where you've hung it up and then basically at your come leisure come back in the morning come back in the morning even and then pick it up with your truck and then be able to harvest it uh, properly you know using mm. the table at your campsite because you example. want because in between those thighs and its legs you've got yep. to get rid of the guts yeah that's it right it starts to get hot and then it starts mm. to just t- you know t- you know well, if you're hunting during winter, for example, it, it just damages the meat after a while. If you're hunting during winter, the chances of it getting hot are very, are very minimal. But uh, yeah, but if, I'm saying with, with, with the guts in, if you, if you don't with the gut, if you take the guts out, yeah, you can hang it up overnight. Yeah. come back in the morning, do your preparation in the morning. That's right. But if you're hunting during summer, Jason, it's so important if you want to harvest the animal, you've got to gut it straight away. And if you have to leave it uh, where you've shot it because it's too heavy to carry or whatever and you've got to come back for it, make sure you leave it in a shady place. Mm. Make sure you don't, don't leave it out exposed in the sun or anything like that. Make sure you leave it in the shade and hang it up on a tree somewhere in the shade if you can find it. Mm. That's very important. And, and don't I think take then, too long. I'm not, I'm not 100% sure on this, but mm. especially in summer, you're going to have flies, so you need to keep the skin on. Correct. I would yes. anyway. Yes. Keep the skin on. Keep the skin on. Keep the skin on. If so you're going to leave it anyway, I'll keep the skin on anyway. Don't, yeah, try, and, yeah, don't yeah. try and skin the animal at all. Yeah, yeah. So that's important. So we carry that in our backpacks. Now, apart from um, apart from the stuff that you need when when you shoot the animal, Jason, what else will we carry in our backpacks? We carry at least what a liter of water, two some liters of water. water. Yep, two liters of water. Some some snacks, something yep. to eat. Some, if you want some okay. uh, toilet paper, toilet or, paper, very or, important. Or if you're going to carry like me, some uh, wet wipes, you know to. <laughs> You know, some wet wipes so you're clean and, and, and uh, you know, looked after. Okay, you know? so we've got our water, so we've got our knives, we've got our rope, we've got um, our snacks. Uh, camera maybe if yeah, you want, camera, okay, take so photos. All that stuff, yeah, so we're carrying that in our backpack. What about in case of an emergency, Jason, if something happens to you? Like, for example, you, you could break your leg, you could yes. slip, you could fall. Okay, so I've got like a uh, Muzz doesn't, and I yeah. keep telling him to get yeah. one because he's got a family. Um, I've got a you can get one of those little spot you, you locators could get, you could or get an bitten by a snake. Bitten by a snake, so yeah. epurbs. Um, we're getting to that time of year now, guys, where mm. snakes are starting to come out. Me and Muzz were just looking uh, at one of the uh, Gold Coast uh, snake catches, and he's already getting a eastern brown, brown snake, big yeah. brown snakes coming out in Queensland. You know, Gold Coast area yep. uh, up to Brisbane. So you know, carry a um, epurb. Epurb, yep. Number two, some snake bandages. Handheld UHF. Handheld UHF. So that maybe if you've got uh, people at, back at the campsite or your friends in the because car, let's you not contact forget, them straight away. Me and Muzz have had this discussion yep. before, guys, right? It's okay to say, listen, yeah, I'm carrying snake bandages, but this is the problem, right? If you don't have an EPIRB, right? Okay, so you Muzz mm-hmm. gets bitten yep. by a snake, heaven forbid. He wraps it up. Then what are you going to do? Yep, that's okay, right. You can't walk out of there. If you walk out, you're going to die. Yeah. Right. So if you and if you have if your radio is not within reach, even a five watt radio, you have got a couple of hills. You're not going to get anyone. Yeah. You're not going to get anyone. Yeah. So what are you going to do? You're going to die. Okay. So you're going to die slowly instead of quickly. Okay. <laughs> yeah. So well, it's very, not funny, but it's not funny, but it's the truth. So yes. what you need to do is carry. I carry bandages all the time. I'm probably going to upgrade mine again this this coming. Uh, now this is especially important because you got to make sure they're not old. Yeah. They're not going to break. You break. 
you're screwed. Yep. Right? So and keep them, keep every couple of years, refresh them with some new ones. They're only cheap, 15 bucks. Yep. Get at least two of them. Yep. You know, I even vacuum seal mine, mm. right? And then just put them in the bag. Never going to need them. Just going to keep them protected, ready to go. So what we're carrying in our backpack, we're carrying form of communication. Now, not, you, may, you may be within a reception or you may not. Uh, a lot of places that have no res- mobile reception, so you've got to be able to communicate so with your friends. if the shit hits the fan, mm? you, you pull out that EPIRB and you pull it out and then you know, activate it. That's right. You now, know? some of you may hunt and, alone. And lie down and then hope for the best that someone's going to save you. Some of you may go hunting alone, and I know a lot Very of people important. do. So if you do go hunting alone, one person, one vehicle, uh, you've got to buy an EPIRB. I do not recommend mm. anyone go on their own anywhere without an EPIRB. Uh, you could get, like I said, you could get bitten by a snake. You could break your leg uh, trying yeah, exactly. to how go you gonna up and crawl down. Out? How are you, you going to get out? Are exactly. you going to crawl out a kilometre, you know, like an army style? Yep. But there's no way you're going to carry, yeah, there's no way right. you're yeah. going to get that distance. So, Very important, guys. Anyway, Jason, you know what? Uh, this is pretty good now. So we've covered a lot of basic equipment that you need um, when it comes to uh, being comfortable around a campsite and camping and those sort of things. And we're covering uh, a lot of the stuff that you may need in your backpack, especially uh, stuff that's, um, uh, I guess, uh, critical when it comes to safety, right? So these are the things that we're, we're hoping that you guys will take on board, especially you new hunters. Uh, remember, it's very important, always keep safety in the back of your head, whether it be safety in regards to your vehicle how you drive and how you get there, whether it be safety in regards of what when you're out there hunting on the private property or whether it be in a state forest, and um, also whether it be safety regarding your friends as well. So here we go. I'm actually, hmm. I just thought I'd get you. So, go right, to, here we go. Here we yeah, go. The uh, uh, Bob, here's one actually. I, I know this one from before, and he actually sells some good ones. The uh, Bob Cooper Snake Bite and Venomous Creature Kit. I think it looks like yeah, it comes with from uh, Jinderbine Sports. Yeah, three compression bandages and detailed instructions on how to treat Twenty five bucks. $25, guys. Can't there you go. There, there's it. no excuse not to have one. So it's a very cheap. It's a, it's a good idea to keep it inside your backpack. So you've got your EPIRB, a snake bite kit, and these are the things that could potentially save your life, right? Mm. So if you've got family, I think you owe it to them to spend. Yep. You know, what, what can you, like I said to people, can you put a, a price on your life? Like I said, mm. especially now this time of year, mm. get yourselves a pair of gators too. Get yourself a pair of gators. Gators, yeah. yeah. I that, did see a yeah. guy who came up with a really interesting idea the other day on, uh, I didn't send it to you actually, on Facebook. Basically, he, he for his gators, what he did, because you know, don't forget, when you actually got tight leggings, that's when a, a snake can actually bite you when it actually goes through into your leg. Um, what he did is he had an p- old pair of jeans and he cut from the, basically, well, I guess the, the, the penis area down to the knee, if you so to speak. So the crotch down to the knee. The sorry, crotch. The crotch down to the, the knee. Penis area. <laughs> That's if you're male, right? <laughs> and then what he did then is he turned them upside down, right? And the, knee, the, the bottom knee part, he pulled them up and then he just used baby pins to pin them mm. around the leg. So the bottom part of the leg is up where the crotch is, which is the most flared part. And he says he's been hunting in them for 25 years. Because don't forget, with the idea, when a snake actually bites, yeah. right, it's just biting the, like I guess, the, the material. Yeah. It's, it's not, it's not yeah. pushing. And I asked this yeah. on, the, on the site the other day. They don't push forward. They just bite that fabric. And if you've got four to, four to five inches in between the fabric and your leg because they've got a flared bottom and they're flaring out, Mm. So be it. It's, of course, you know sometimes snakes are gonna, you know, be always careful where you sit. Yep. You know, don't put your hands anywhere where you shouldn't be. That's just all important stuff. I know. I don't. We don't have to tell you guys, yep. but yep. it's always good to remember safety. But, guys, it's, really but, important. It's, but not only that, Jason. It's good to get into the habit, right? Get into the habit of always having these things that in my backpack. 
I carry all my I carry my first aid uh, equipment. I carry my UHF. The one thing that I really have to buy is the EPIRB. And and the reason why I haven't really gone out and bought it is because I'm the sort of guy who likes to hunt close to camp. To be honest, yeah. I, I'm not I'm not the sort of guy that likes to but go hiking then, for three I four know, hours. So, some of you might be, but I, I generally like to walk. Not I'm within forty five minutes of camp, which I'm usually uh, within radio range of anyone, and uh, and and so I, that's probably why I haven't bought it. But um, it depends on the style of hunting about- you like to do as well. I'll have a look now online. Pretty much you can buy. The one I've got is the uh, GME EPIRB. And one, what you want to do is you want to make sure you've got one that's got GPS enabled. Like I'm looking at one here now, guys. They're about $300. It's the, uh, uh, there's a GME yeah, for GME, 253. No, this is the one here. This is the one I've got. GME MT410G Accustat emergency beacon with gps make sure it's got gps very very important most of them will these days because the ones that didn't have gps if they come to find you they're looking at about three to five kilometer squared radius which is bad if you get the gps enabled one they can find you within about five meters yeah so so very 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 important get the one that's gps inactivated so gme mt 410g accustat personal locator beacon so just grab one of them three hundred dollars and i know mine's coming up for renewal i think in 2019 you send it back to gme they replace the battery Mm. right you can do little self tests on them before you go out that's what i do with mine to make sure it's picking up gps make sure it's yeah you don't want to do that all too often because it wastes the battery um, and then, you know, again, safety is important, guys. I guess, you know, very Jason, important. I guess you've it's, never got to use it. Hopefully, you never have to use that's it. That's right. I guess it's like I was about to say, it's the one piece of safety equipment that you must have and that you never want to, never hope to never have to use. So, mm. um, yeah, well, but that's $300, it. mate, for five years. What does that work out to? Well, that's you it. Know what? It's, it's not very expensive at all. You know? So, uh, look, yeah, yeah guys. 60 so, bucks a year it costs you. It's nothing. Yeah. No, it's not. And then you think it's, I think it's maybe $100, $110 to replace the battery, I think. Yeah. If I'm, don't quote me on that because I haven't had to do it yet, but that's what I've heard. I'll let you know on the next show in a couple of years when I um, when we do that. So anything else, Mars? To, so, uh, so anyway, guys, uh, we hope you enjoyed this show because we're discussing something different, uh, some camping equipment, uh, things that, that you need, uh, how to prepare for the hunt. Uh, how yeah, to, sleep, how to sleep comfortably. Now, we're, we're going to do a lot more shows like this, guys. We're going to do a lot more shorter shows. We're talking about hunting and the gear that you use and, uh, and the, you know, places that you can go and those sort of things. So I really hope you guys enjoyed this. Now, but, Mars, yep. everyone's probably thinking yep. now, what on earth is this? This is not the usual straight <laughs> shooting podcast. We're used to hearing him ranting about, you know, political parties or the political parties that – you know, the, the major parties, the shooting parties, uh, One Nation, whatever well, it may be. That well, we'd, we'd, like to hear, stuff. we'd like to hear the reaction from you uh, listeners out there to see what you thought of this podcast. So if you like to hear more yeah. stuff like this, then great. And Fantastic. we thought we'd do something different, guys. You know what I mean? Like we can't yeah, – we, we do uh, – I guess we love to hate the politics stuff. Oh, yes. And it does weigh on our brains and makes us fairly stressed because every time I talk about it, Muzz talks about it, it just really pisses us off about the – you know, the, the – I guess gun laws in Australia and the things we've got to deal with. And it just, you know, most people don't really worry about what's happening in the political arena, but it's very, very important. So, of course, we are going to continue with those shows as well. Yeah, absolutely. But we did have a positive uh, reaction when we did the scope review, scope stuff. Uh, on getting scopes and then we did receive some good reception about that so i think that's important so we're going to do this again in the future of course it's not going to be every show we're going to go back to a lot of the political content sometimes we mm. might do 50 50 yeah might talk about some hunting and shooting activities some more equipment things like that and i think that's going to be more more uh, uh well recepted yeah well i mean we hope you guys enjoyed 
today's show and uh, we hope that uh, this helps you out when you go hunting hopefully during this uh, October upcoming October long weekend and especially for you all you guys who are brand new to hunting just make sure that uh, you know exactly what you're up for when you go out there make sure you're prepared um, and uh, make sure you've got all the right gear and especially when it comes to safety don't go cheap on safety it's very important until you get some experience going out in the woods and uh, and uh, experience camping and hunting make sure that you uh, you're always getting all that right equipment uh, that you need so it's very important Jason so I mean without further ado Jason hang on hang on we're not wrapping up yet Jesus okay, mate oh, that's, that's, hey I do that just, oh, okay, just okay. trying to take over <laughs> what the hell <laughs> no. you know um, I just want to talk guys before we just quickly uh, stickers, if you want to get some stickers, we've seen a lot of people on the Facebook page requesting the stickers, and I sent out a batch just yesterday. So if you click on, if you go to the website and you actually click on the store, uh, you can actually purchase uh, our stickers from the store. So if you want them, they're really good. Uh, go on australianhuntingpodcast.com.au, click on store, and then when you click on store, the little, the little sub-menu of stickers will come up. So do that. Uh, again, if you want your voicemails played on the show, we haven't had any voicemails for a while, guys. You know, what's happening? Send them in. Send them in. Yeah. Stop letting us down. We're shooters. We need to unite and get together and make sure, you know, we're doing the things we need to do. Um, again, iTunes, leave a comment for us on iTunes, guys. They've been a bit slow on the iTunes comments, so get onto that if you can. Leave us a voicemail. Uh, rate us five stars on I should, iTunes, I should say, and write us in a few emails, australianhuntingpodcast uh, at gmail.com, or you can go to the website again and click on that Contact Us icon uh, right on the far right-hand side. All right, guys, so I hope you enjoyed the show. Something different. As usual, my name is Jason. I'm Muzz. And you're listening to the Straight Shooting Podcast. You're listening to the Straight Shooting Podcast here on the AHB Digital Radio Network. As always, thanks for listening, and I'll see you next time.